Thank you. Doesn't it just put a sunshine in your heart to see the Lord's precious sunshine? It really does for me. Tell me, how many of you have ever gone looking for treasure? Quite a few of you. Seems like it's the younger ones that put their hands up. You know, some people use metal detectors. You know those things you can get and you go along the beach and it's boo, 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 and you think you're going to find some wonderful treasure and then underneath is a Coke can or something. <laughs> We've seen those folks and you're wondering, well, if they find it, are they going to share some of that? <laughs> Probably not. As a girl, growing up, I lived in a village and the home I was in was about 100 years old. And I used to love, as a girl, to go in my backyard. It was all on a slope. The whole area was just plenty of hills. And I'd go up into the backyard, and I would dig for treasure. When my daddy was digging in the yard to make room for the vegetables, I would dig too. And I was so sure I was going to find some old relic that was going to be worth a lot of money. Well, you know, the things I found were pieces of broken pottery, a few old coins, and pig bones. That was what I found. Wasn't that great, was it? What is God's treasure? What is God's timeless treasure that we're going to talk about today? Well, I didn't give Connie a heads up because that was my line, so (laughs) she didn't get a chance to find out yet. You know, this treasure that we're going to talk about today, money cannot buy it. It's not like the story in the Bible about selling all to get the treasure. This is a different treasure. Money cannot buy it. You can't inherit it. You can't get it passed down from great-great-grandma. It's not going to happen. This treasure, doesn't matter what your influence is, it won't make any difference to whether you have it or not. And neither will your culture, where you were born, and what country you were born in, make any difference. Each one of us has the same amount of this treasure. We never know when we're going to run out of it. And it is the most valuable thing that we have in this world. And yet, ironically, it is the least valued thing of this world. It affects every one of us. Does anybody know what that treasure is? Time. There was a play on words in the title. Time. Time is the treasure that every single one of us has been given the same amount of, believe it or not. Sometimes you look at so-and-so and you think, well, they seem to have got twice as much. They really don't. And we're going to kind of spend some time looking at how it is we can make the best use of it. Ecclesiastes 3.1, if you have your Bibles, turn there. And you know, when we're up here without our Bible, it isn't because we're not going to use it. We've gone ahead and put every one of those verses on paper here to make it a little easier. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. That was written by the wisest man that ever lived. I want you to catch that. That's pretty important. And he says, There is a time for everything. So is the subject of time relevant right now? Yes, it really is. And the wisest man that ever lived has said so. Time, then, is the passage of seconds, minutes, hours, days, and weeks, and years that make up our lifetime. That's what we're going to look at. That was the dictionary definition of time as I looked at it. But the first question I want to ask you is, where does this time come from that we were given? And I'd like us to go to the Word of God for our answer. 
In 1 Chronicles 29, turn back there in your Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14. 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 14 says, But who am I, and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Everything we have comes from him. Now you can go into your New Testament, Acts 17 and verse 25. Acts chapter 17 And verse 25 says there, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And down a little further on verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being. Everything we have and everything we are has come from him, including our time. Maybe we don't consider it that way. I hope you will after we've spent this portion of time this day considering this subject. We're going to look at six areas in this message. I always like to give you a heads up on what's coming so as you know. Six areas. The first one we're going to look at is the value of time. Secondly, time a talent. And then our use of time is the third area. So the value of time time, a talent, our use of time, and then improving our time. That's the fourth area. The fifth area, redeeming our time. And it wouldn't be appropriate to not have the sixth area, which is a question, how much is left? And so those are what we're going to look at on this subject of time. So the value of time It was November the 13th, 1988, and I had an appointment that day that was a particularly important appointment for me, and so I got up early, and I took particular care how I dressed that day, even more so than usual. Time for me that day was very valued. I was determined not to be late, and so I arrived at my destination, and the place I was going to meet somebody, and I arrived right on time at noon that day. It was my wedding day. And I was determined, you know, it's kind of a tradition, maybe not so here, but in England, it's kind of, you know, the thing to do to keep the guy waiting at the altar, make him sweat a little bit or something. I don't really know, but I was determined to break tradition, and I was going to be there right on 12 o'clock. And and so I was. You know, time for me that day was very valuable should be valuable for us every day, but some days seem to have more value to us than others. How about time in this world, the here and now that we live in? How do we measure that time? Open your Bibles again to James 4 and verse 14. James chapter 4 and verse 14. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Hear the word time in there? You know, this, this world, our time in this world is just like a vapor. It's going to vanish away. 
It's not going to last. We've no input, have we? Have any of you ever had any input in when you arrived in this world? Really don't have anything to do with that subject, do we? We have no input on when we arrive here. And you know, even though we try to preserve our life as long as possible in this world, we really don't have that much input on when we depart this world either. Both of those are really in the hands of God, not in our own hands. But how about the value of time in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? I've spent a lot of time, a lot of time, thinking about the value of time in heaven. I still haven't concluded those thoughts yet. All I know is they are on eternal time. It's not the same clock that we are on down here, is it? It's a different, it's a different scale altogether. The book Christ's Object Lessons on page 342 says life is too short to be trifled away. We have but a few days of probation in which to prepare for eternity. It is now that we are to form characters for future immortal life. Kind of puts it in its perspective. You know, we get only three score and ten thereabouts, don't we, here? But was it always that way? Or was it different years ago? It was very It was very different in Adam's day. They lived a whole lot longer. They got a bigger dose of time than we now get in this world, in this time frame of this world's history. And so the whole purpose of our being here and what we're going to do with our time in this world has huge eternal consequences, whether we will partake of eternal time or not. Do you want to partake of eternal time? I really do. I really do. So... As we think about how we value our time, you know, as you think about, you know, a 10-year period, and you think about what it is that you, your family, your children can achieve, the church maybe, what we can achieve in 10 years. We may give that some value, mightn't we, what we could get done in 10 years. Maybe five years we would give value to. Maybe we'd even consider a year we would give value to. But let me ask you a question. How valuable to you is a day? How important? What can you achieve in a day? How do you consider the passage of a day? What about the passage of an hour? Or a minute? Or that, a second? How valuable is that to you? Christ Object Lessons, carrying on in the same passage, page 342, says the value of time is beyond computation. Christ regarded every moment as precious, and it is thus that we should regard it. So there is your value in a second. Christ regarded every moment as precious, and that's the way he would have us regard it. How many of you like to read stories in your home? Like to read stories? Oh, children, you're so precious. Parents, look at your children's hands. They love to have stories in the home. Well, there's a story that we've enjoyed as a family. It's called The Boy and His Spare Moments. Maybe some of you have heard that story, read that story. If you haven't and you've got the book, it's in... um, I've forgotten what book it's in. Tiger and Tom, thank you, children. (laughs) The Boy and His Spare Moments. And there is a one-line statement in there that is so profound talking about a young boy and how he used his spare moments. And it, said, and it says there, are not spare moments the gold dust of time? 
Did you catch that? Are not spare moments the gold dust of time? I had to go back to that book and find it because that was so precious. Each moment we should value like gold. Moms and dads, children, singles, each moment value like gold and not like dust. Gold dust. Quite a parallel between those two, isn't there? Quite a difference. You know, it was about... Well, it was 88, I believe. A lot of things seemed to happen in 88, didn't they? (laughs) And I was off into the mission field, working in Africa. And I'd never flown anywhere before. Now I'm arriving, first flight ever in my life, landing in Zambia, Africa, in Lusaka, the capital. And that's a whole experience that we don't have time to talk about. But something I never knew before, but any one of you who's ever been out there in any mission field country is going to understand when I say this is that for some reason their value of time out there is very different to how we value time here in the Western world. Would you agree? Time seems to be on a totally different scale out there. So I arrived, and I had quite a bit of extra luggage with me because I was bringing all kinds of things that would be useful for the hospital. And so, inevitably, not all my luggage arrived. And so we had to go to this little back room around the back of the airport, and there was a guy there. And I don't know what time we arrived there the first time we tried, but it was maybe 10, 10.30 in the morning. Oh, no, it was soon going to be lunchtime, and they couldn't help me. So the next day we got there at two in the afternoon. It was going to be closing time very soon. Tomorrow, come back tomorrow. It took me, I don't know how many days to get, or weeks I think it was actually, before I got my luggage. Their time is on a different scale. The value of time is very different over there in those kind of countries. That was a big surprise to me. It seemed as if there was no accountability for time there. And tomorrow would always do rather than today. I guess I had to learn a few good lessons. Patience is one of them. (laughs) We're going to look at the second area, and that is of time, a talent. I know that you are all familiar with the passage there in Matthew 25 of the parable that Jesus gave of the talents. And so I'm not going to take the time now to read that whole all through, but you can do so at home and contemplate that. You know, there was the ten talents given, and the five talents, and the one talent or the two talents and the one talent. And then, in the parable, the master went away, didn't he? Well, you know, I'd like to share with you, carrying on in Christ Object Lessons, there is a whole section there about talents. And there is one section in the talent section called time. It's very profound as you read in there. On page 342 again, it says, Our time belongs to God. Every moment is his, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. Of no talent he is given, will he require a more strict account than of our time? Serious, serious thought, isn't it? Maybe you've never thought, you know, when you see these precious young people up here, the little ones and those precious older ones leading those little ones, and you say, what a talent. And it is, isn't it? A beautiful talent. And there's all kinds of talents. But have you ever really thought about the talent of time? Every single one of us has that talent in our grasp. It isn't that we have to go and get some special education or have something special about us. It's just what the Lord has given to us. But he says of no greater account will we have to give than of our time. So we are accountable to God for what we're going to do with the time he's given us. We are not the owners of it. And our children understand this well. In our home school, they know that there is morning school, 
and afternoon school. And there's an hour break between where we get fresh air and fun outside. And they know that. And so what happens if they decide to just stare out of the window and pet the kitty and go to the bathroom four times and these kinds of things? What's going to happen to morning school? Not going to happen, is it? (laughs) Well, we've been through this scenario. Nothing that we share up here isn't something we've already experienced. We've been through this scenario, and I'm looking at my watch thinking, you know, they're going to miss break time. But they know they will be accountable for what they have done in their morning school. Not because we're mean and hard parents, but because there's just natural consequences. If math isn't done, math needs to be done before break time, and therefore you're going to miss out on some break time. Both children have experienced having no break time because of their own choices. And we've been trying to teach them at their young age to be accountable for what they do with their time doesn't have to be a negative. Then they know, okay, I'm choosing here. This is my break now. I'm just messing around in it, and I'm going to be doing school during my break. Matthew 25, 19, in that story of the talent, says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, just as our Lord is going to do with us. One day he's going to come and ask, Show me what you've been doing with the time that I've given you. Not in a negative way, just like for us with our children. It's not a negative thing. This is just the reality of what happens. As a little girl, I learned accountability very early. My father, who has passed away now, he used to ask me very regularly, and particularly on a Sunday maybe, or in a holiday time, he would say, so what do you have to show for it, Carolyn? What do you do with your time today? It's a good question, isn't it? Maybe I should be asking my children that more often. What have you got to show for it? Did you just kind of waste the day away? Nothing really to show for Did you just, you know, videos and TVs and games? Or, I mean, I wasn't into any of that stuff, but I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> That's the interesting thing, isn't it? Don't remember what I was doing if I didn't have something to show for it. But he would ask me, what have you got to show for your day? I learned very early I needed to have something to show for what I was doing with my time. Okay, we're going to look at the third area, our use of time. It kind of leads in naturally, doesn't it? So in view of the, time, the value that we're going to put upon time and the value that heaven puts upon our time, how are we going to use it? Well, I went on the internet. I'm not very computer-oriented, but I did my best to find some statistics on how people are using their time here in America. And TV was the, one, the first thing I thought of, and so I kind of put in there and found out that the average American home is on, uh, has a TV on in their home for seven hours a day. That's just whether anybody's watching it or not, the average American home has that thing switched on seven hours a day. The average American is watching four hours of that TV that is switched on in their day. And this was very interesting. By the age of 65... now. How many people here are 65 or over? You can be honest. We don't have any. Oh, isn't that amazing? (laughs) Oh, there's one or two. I found out that by the age of 65, the average American has watched nine solid years of TV. Hannah, you're nine. That would mean from when you were born until right now, sweetheart, you would have watched solid TV to equate for what the average 65-year-old American has done with his time kind of makes you feel sick, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, then I thought I would see if I could find statistics about internet use. 
You know something very interesting? Whilst on the internet, I couldn't find anything about the use of the internet and how much people are wasting their time with it. I thought that was very interesting. I'm sure it's there, and somebody of you, some of you could find it. I couldn't find it there. That was ironic. You know, maybe we're not finding ourselves in any of these situations. Maybe that isn't how we're using our time. But are we wasting time? Are we using our time wisely? Are there moments that we're wasting? Child Guidance, page 123. Child Guidance, 123, says, The value of time is beyond computation. Time squandered can never be recovered. Let's not squander that precious time. So who has the priority of our time? Who do you think it is? Is number one in our time and how we use it. God, doesn't he? He was the one that gave it to us. And therefore, he has the priority over what we're going to do with that talent, that precious talent that he has given to us. So as I contemplated that, does that mean then that I just need to spend my whole day in prayer and Bible study? And that's all I'm going to do because I want to give him number one priority. So that's what I'm going to do with my time. No, we're trying to be in the real world. The real world is we're not going to be in a monastery spending all of our time worshipping and praying to the Lord because there's other real, thing, real life things to be going on with. But our very first bit of our time belongs to him. And I'm not going to get into morning devotions and all of that. There's plenty of messages back there, and we can steer you to those ones if you're interested in learning more about family de- morning devotion times. But our first portion of our time then is his. He owns it, and it belongs to him, and it's a blessing to us when we give that time to him. But what about after that? What about after we've had our devotions with the Lord? What about the rest of our day? Is that just up to me now, what I do with it? Do you want to know who comes next? I didn't realize this. I mean, I did realize it, but I had never thought about this until I was studying out this subject. Second priority on our time, did you know, is your family, your spouse, your children, your parents, whoever that is for you in your family. Your family comes next, and our use as couples and as parents of our time will largely determine whether we have a happy home. And there's plenty of stories out there where time has been used unwisely and homes have been destroyed. We know of that. Now, I don't usually do what I'm about to do. I'm going to talk to the fathers. Fathers, listen up for a minute. As the priest of the home, you may not have realized this, but actually you set the tone of what your home is going to be like, even in your absence. Did you know that? You set the tenor of the atmosphere that is going to be there when you're gone. And I'd like to share with you from Adventist Home, page 191. It says, No time, says the Father. I have no time to give to the training of my children. No time for social and domestic enjoyments, then you should not have taken upon yourself the responsibility of a family. Wow, I'm glad I didn't write that, but I'm glad I'm sharing it with you. It says, by withholding from them the time which is justly theirs, you rob them of the education which they should have at your hands. If you have children, you have a work to do in union with the mother in the formation of their characters. 
you know, oftentimes I think, you know, daddy's not in the home and so all the time, like mummy is. And so oftentimes I think fathers think that doesn't really have such a big bearing upon what's going to happen in the home. But you know, it really does. You are the essential ingredient in the home. And when it radiates from you down to, through us to our children, then we have the kind of home we're looking for. And I'm not going to expand on that because right after this message, hang around, my husband is going to share for fathers particularly. So I want you to listen up for that. But how about us as mothers? Now I need to get back on my territory, right? <laughs> Leave you poor guys alone. How about us as mothers? What are we doing with our time as mothers? Well, same passage, Adventist Home 191 says there, It is the cry of many mothers. I have no time to be with my children. Then for Christ's sake, spend less time on your dress. Neglect, if you will, to adorn your apparel. Neglect to receive and make calls. And neglect to cook an endless variety of dishes. But never, never neglect your children. Let nothing interpose between you and the best interests of your children. You know, if you're sitting here right now feeling kind of yucky, like you know you've done it, I want you to understand, so have I. I have things I can look back on and say I should have done differently than I did. And if that's how you're feeling right now, don't tune out the rest of this message because that's how you feel. Whisper a prayer and trust in the Lord to move forward because that is what these camp meetings are about. These camp meetings are about helping us to face ourselves and then move on. We'll never move on if we don't face ourselves in the mirror first. But we mustn't get discouraged when we see what we see. The Lord wants us to see and know ourselves so we can move forward and we can move on. I thought this was a very interesting passage, and I kind of started to break it down in my own mind and make it practical. The first thing was spend less time on your dress. And I thought, well, you know, back in those days, I don't know, maybe some of you do your own sewing. I don't to my shame. I don't, but you know, it's easier these days to get less expensive items, thrift stores and those kind of places. That's where I go. And you can find plenty of stuff without really having to sew anymore so much. So then it's not really relevant to us. Is that right? Or maybe there's a different relevance now. Maybe it is that we're not just to be combing the malls for the latest outfit and the latest garment. That's how I read that. Spend less time looking around at all the things that are there that I could get. And then the second one was neglect. If, you, if you're going to neglect anything, it was to neglect time on your dress. And I don't mean that you're not going to look decent, but you know what I mean. You know what it's saying. Neglect to receive and make calls. That one was really kind of close. It probably didn't mean the telephone back then. But I think we can understand the relevance of the telephone today. You know, if you call me during school hours, I probably, unless you're in an emergency, I'm not going to answer it. Not because I don't love you, but because I know what my first work is. And I am fearful, not about you, but about me, that I pick up that telephone, I just might not know how to put it down. And I might not have the courage to stop the call and say, I'm sorry, but my children really need me, and I'll call you later. So I don't usually answer it, because I'm not very good at that. And if you're like me, and you're not good at kind of cutting a call off, best leave it there until you've got the free moment where you can make that call. And then thirdly, it said neglect to cook an endless variety of dishes. So does that mean that we can just eat out? Don't need to cook, right? (laughs) There's my out for not being in the kitchen. No, it doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean you should have wholesome 
a variety of food. Here's how I have found the key to this. When I'm going to make something special, particularly, but other times too, I'm learning that it is a wise use of my time to bring my children into the kitchen with me and have that as part of their school. So although it's going to take me twice as long initially to make something, if I'm prepared to invest the time then, they are going to learn how. And just, it was just a few weeks ago, we were going to be having company, quite a lot of company, and we were going to make some special pies. Not expensive, but time-consuming to make. And so I didn't do it while the children were doing school. We did it afterwards, and Hannah joined me, and she had the time of her life making seven pies all across our countertop. And she said, Mommy, I just can't wait to eat these. (laughs) She was so anxious. The smell was so good. You know, we did have to taste and make sure there was enough salt. She was pretty happy about that. She didn't need such a big spoon, but... (laughs) You know, it was a real joy to see how much she enjoyed it. And sure, it took me longer, but you know, actually, truth of the matter is, she's been learning, and now she's getting to the point where she really is being a help. And so is Caleb. And just this Sunday, just past, the children have been asking me, when can we make a whole dinner just us, not you? Don't even want you in the kitchen, Mommy. It's like, I found that a bit stressful. (laughs) Well... First of all, I've got to teach you how to put that stove on and how to turn it off without burning yourself. And I've got to teach you to just not leave pan lids on the stove because you might turn the wrong ring on and burn something else. And so over the last few weeks, we've been doing a few things to teach them, you know, safety in the kitchen. Well, on Sunday, and they're pretty happy about it, they did the whole dinner. Baked potatoes and peas. And one of those pies we'd made, I pulled out the freezer so they wouldn't have to fix that. They could just put it out on the table. They did the whole meal, salad and toast and everything. Who got the greatest joy? You know, I don't don't honestly know. I don't know if it was me because I never set foot in my kitchen or them. But, you know, they didn't burn the place down and the kitchen was neat and orderly. And I was thrilled because I'd given them some time not to make an endless round of difficult meals but had them come along and now hey I'm looking forward to when I don't have to set foot in my kitchen wouldn't that be fantastic (laughs) Hannah's got a big grin on her face (laughs) I'd like to carry on in the passage there in Adventist home Adventist home 192 now just over the page it says that the um, the heading is with your children in work and play something of what we've been just saying there says give some of your leisure hours to your children Associate with them in their work and in their sports and win their confidence. Cultivate their friendship. Let parents devote the evenings to their families. Lay off care and perplexity with the labors of the day. Again, I always look for the real practical call to my heart. It said, devote our evenings to our families. Maybe that crosses, cuts across yourself. But if you're prepared to, to cut across that self and give, invest yourself in the evenings for your families, I believe you will see tremendous results as a family as you do that. It's an investment, an investment where you're not going to reap your investment here, but believe me, you will reap it for eternity and eternal time if you give that time to your children. We're going to now move on to point four, improving our time. Aren't you just kind of ready to go there, see what I can do then? I now know more about this time thing. What am I going to do to improve how I use it? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10, something you all know, says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. What does that mean? 
What do you think it means to do it with your might? Children, what do you think that means? With all your heart, thank you, to do your very best. To do your very best doesn't matter what you do. We want our children to do that, don't we? And we keep encouraging them to do their very best. We also are accountable and responsible to do our very best in what the Lord asks us to do. I'd like to point you to a little book called Sons and Daughters of God on page 114. Sons and Daughters of God says there, as far as possible, it is well to consider what is to be accomplished through the day. Make a memorandum of the different duties that await your attention and set apart a certain time for the doing of each. Let everything be done with thoroughness, neatness, and dispatch. Don't you just love how practical she is? I did. thrills my heart. She's just so practical. She goes on, give yourself, gets even more practical, give yourself a number of minutes to do the work, and do not stop to read papers and books that take your eye. But say to yourself, no, I have just so many minutes in which to do my work, and I must accomplish my task in the given time. Is that you? Have you ever been there? You know how that is. You're tidying up and you glance at something and then half an hour later you think, well, where did the time go? <laughs> kind of got sidetracked. That's exactly what that's saying. And you know, I found, I have found personally that if I don't have a schedule, I can make my list, but I really don't know if I've got time to do it or not. I need a schedule first so I know what I'm going to be doing, the different things in my day. And a schedule is something that you're horrified by or just don't even want to think about, but you kind of, in your heart, feel like you really need to, then, you know, we can talk later about it. There's plenty of material back there that can give you encouragement on how to get that off the ground. So in order to put that list into practice, I've got to have my schedule. And then you can begin to see what it is you're going to be able to achieve in your day and what you're not by where you're going to slot those things into your day. Should you prioritize that list, do you think? Do you think that would be helpful? I think it's vital that you prioritize that list. And I'll tell you why. If your humanity is anything like my humanity, I'm going to look at my list and do the thing I like the most. Get that done first. Maybe I'll spend twice as long on that, and then I won't get to those other things that I really have no desire to do. But what if some of those things, and usually it's this way, I have to tell you, usually those things you don't want to tackle are the very things you need to tackle. So I go through that list, prioritizing it with God now, not with just my own thoughts. What is it I really need to do? Making it practical. And one way that I do that is I have a day timer. I I guess I should have brought it up here. I use a day timer. So being very practical, before we come to camp meeting, all those materials on that back table have got to get from our basement to this table somehow. Somebody has to pack all that together in three big boxes and weigh it out to know that it's going to pass the weight scale in the airport and bring it here. And I don't function very well under a last-minute stress and push. That is just not my personality. I like to pace myself out. So the Sunday, the day that... Actually, no, it was a Sunday before the children were cooking that meal. I'd gone through my daytime and put in Thursday ahead when it was I was going to pack those materials to come here. So I knew that I wouldn't be in a last-minute crush because I know I don't function well under that. Maybe some people do really good under stress. And if you do, tell me about it. (laughs) I I could use knowing because I don't. And so I use my daytimer to factor that in. 
Down a little further in Sons and Daughters on the same page, it says, 114, let those who are naturally slow of movement seek to become active, quick, energetic, remembering the words of the apostle, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. may surprise you to know I can relate to the naturally slow of movement. That is my natural humanity. As a child, I'm ashamed to say I spent many hours daydreaming, and I mean hours. I had an attic bedroom, and I would sit in the window area, and I would look out over the village that I was living in, and I'd spend hours looking at all the little cars going along and the things people were doing, and I wasted hours that way. It's not very good, is it? I've had to, since that time, deal with hard battles in my own heart to speed myself up by the grace of God because naturally that's not who I am. And I can say to you that I have gained victories in that area in my life over these years. And now my husband likes to say that I've moved from a daydreamer to a daytimer. Thank you, sweetie. That was a good one. (laughs) I'm no longer a daydreamer by God's grace. I'm a daytimer. How about our children? Let's take the heat off us for a bit, shall we? Or maybe we don't actually, you know, listen. (laughs) Maybe we don't. Let's look at our children. How should they be using their time? Christ Object Lessons, page 345, says, Parents should teach their children the value and right use of time. Teach them that to do something which will honor God and bless humanity is worth striving for. Parents cannot commit a greater sin than to allow their children to have nothing to do. Did you catch that? Again, I didn't write that. Don't let your children have nothing to do. The devil makes work for what? Idle hands. And I have to say, idle minds too. I am very burdened for my children that they will not inherit my handicap of the slow of movement that we just looked at. And so I seek to keep them constantly busy that the devil will not have access here or here. Now, you know, I've got one of these up here. It's a little timer, okay? So I know that I'm not going to be here until lunchtime. You might not be too impressed, you know, if we got to lunchtime and I'm still going. And these guys are waving at me. They've done the 10, the 5, the 1, and now they're on minus. Wouldn't be too good, would it? <laughs> I have a little timer up here, so I know I'm being accountable right now for how I'm using my time and yours. I'm not the only one who uses this in our home. My children use this too. And they've learned how to do those buttons. And they kind of think it's fun. And I say, so you know the dishes need to be done by this time, children. And they set the timer. And they actually respond really well to it. They're running around trying to get done before this thing beeps at them. And they have a motivation. I like to give healthy motivations for our children. And so we have one of those little love boxes back there. And we've used it in all different kinds of ways. And right now, we're using that love box for time. So if they finish their math early, they put a love in the box. If they do the floor sweeping early, the table early, whatever it happens to be, they put a love in the box and we're saving up loves right now. And when that box is full, we're going to go buy a Lego set that we all want to play with, mommy and daddy included. That might not motivate older children. You can think of other things, but that's what my children are motivated by right now. In fact, that box is getting so full, I'm kind of getting worried. (laughs) I need to save up for this Lego set, you know. (laughs) But that's what they're doing. Let's just recap really quickly. We've looked at the value of time, time a talent, 
our use of time and improving our time. Now there's one area which I believe in some ways when you get to this point, it's like, oh boy, I've really messed up how I use my time. Don't feel that way. We're now going to look into some other areas like redeeming our time and see if it is possible. Turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5 and verse 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, it says there, See then that she walks circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. The Bible, then, is calling our hearts to redeem our time. And I want to make it practical as to how we're going to do that. Christ Object Lessons, just in the same section, page 342, says we are admonished to redeem the time. But time squandered can never be recovered. We cannot call back even one moment. The only way in which we can redeem our time is by making the most of that which remains, by being co-workers with God in his great plan of redemption. The plan of redemption has been going on for all ages in our earth, but it's also about not just redeeming us for eternity, but redeeming our moments today, tomorrow. Did you catch that? If you got hung up on time squandered can never be recovered, you're going to go down. Because I do when I think about time squandered. But if you recognize it said, the only way which we can redeem our time is by making the most of what remains. That is the key. If you get nothing else, remember, we can redeem our time if we make the most of what remains. Do you have any regrets as to how you've used your time? You do? Answer this question. Do you ever consider that speakers that stand up here might have any? Or are you tempted like some people? And you know, this is a real burden in my heart. I know there are people that go away from meetings like this and they say, it's never going to happen for me. You see, because I'm not like them. And they kind of put us up. And, you know, I have to say, this pulpit arrangement, beautiful though it is, when I saw how high up above the congregation I was going to be, it kind of made my heart sink because the burden that I have is that you do not put us up there. So we're here right now, and I'd just as happily be standing down there, particularly for this illustration. But it is a burden that I have. There's so many people, well, I say so many, but we know... Every camp meeting, we know of people that go away saying, it's not going to work for me because I don't have their circumstances. I didn't have one happy marriage. I've been through three or four, and I've got all kinds of problems with my children. It's just not going to happen for me. Well, just to encourage you, I want to share with you my darkest day, the darkest experience I've ever been through, to try and help you to see that you don't have to put us up there that we've been where you are and lower. And I want you to understand that. I know there are people here in this auditorium who are going through their darkest day right now. And I want you to listen up and be encouraged by that as I share. I was 24 years old. I heard a lot about 24. and must have been a lot happening around the age of 24, 25. And right while I was going through this experience, little did I know... The man that I had prayed for since my childhood, because my parents had encouraged me to pray for that young man that's been chosen for you, the man that I prayed for was being pulled from the world by the Lord and had become a Christian. And I didn't know that. 
and knew nothing about him. And I was doing the opposite. I'd been raised in the church in a very conservative Christian home, and my parents didn't know that I was step by step going in the opposite direction. And do you know how it started? With Christian, I thought, Adventist young people of my own faith. And I began to follow their direction. And if I'd have done all those steps in one go, I'd have never found myself there. But it was a step-by-step process, turning away from the Lord. And I was, by this time, 24, as I say, and I was living in the second largest city in England, Birmingham. In fact, Tom and Elaine, would you believe this? Next weekend, Tom and Elaine are going to preach in that very church, the church I was going to at the time. And I had fallen away little by little, And now those associations had forsaken me, and I felt that I'd never been so low. And I felt so far from the Lord that there was no way I could go back. And I'm just being honest with you. I I didn't have the courage to tell my parents or anybody else that I knew. And so here I was, my darkest day. It was a Sunday, and I wasn't working that day. And when I woke up, who knows what time it was, I don't know but I couldn't get out of bed. I was so discouraged. I could not face the day that day, and so I stayed there. I don't know what I did. Cried, probably. I know I didn't pray. I couldn't pray. I was too far from the Lord for that. And I stayed there until 4.30 in the afternoon. Can you believe that? Until somehow, maybe I needed the bathroom, I don't know, finally, at some point... I got out of my bed, and I found myself on my knees. And you know, that was the biggest mistake the devil ever made. He pushed me so low that I found myself on my knees. And as a child, I'd been trained to be on my knees to pray to my Heavenly Father. And I found my Heavenly Father on my knees that day. And I said, Father, I have gone so far from you, I don't know if I can come back. And my father said, you can come back. I forgive you. And that day I found the Lord, and I have never turned back because he accepted me that day. And he said, you've done many things you knew you shouldn't have done, and you've dishonored your parents and you've dishonored me, but I forgive you. So young people, older people, if you find yourself there today, I pray the devil will push you so low that you will find yourself on your knees and you will realize that on your knees is where you will find your Savior because that's where I was. And I praise the Lord, I have never looked back. But you know, when I asked you the question, that's why I wanted to share this, do I have any regrets? Yes, I do. I have regrets. I regret that I spent an entire day lying in my bed in utter discouragement. And I regret the time that I spent wasted in the things that I did, the scars that I did to my own life and the life of others. But we can redeem the time. And I believe that God has helped me since that day. Now I'm nearly 43. That's nearly 20 years ago. And I've never looked back in the last 20 years. And I know that we can redeem that time. And I want to encourage you with that. So how can we redeem the time? Firstly, as we have shared already, we must recognize the value of the time that we have. 
Time is the most priceless, precious thing that we have, and we need to recognize that. Secondly, we need to be on our knees, as I've just shared, seeking the Lord's strength and wisdom to bless our efforts as we seek to make the most of what remains. And he will do that, as I've shared. You know, we often, don't we, in our humanity, we work on the one plus one equals two. We do the addition program. But let me tell you, in case you didn't know, the Lord is in the multiplication program. My little daughter's learning multiplication right now. It's kind of fun, isn't it? That is what Jesus is on. So when we take one step toward him, he is right there and he multiplies the use of our time and everything else there is in it. He will multiply what you're doing. So do not be discouraged and give up. If like me, you squander time. Thirdly, we need to learn what our real priorities are and be prepared to say no. Not to our children, but to the things that pull us from the priorities the Lord has given us. And you know something? Saying no isn't actually saying no at all. Saying no is saying yes to, to the Lord's priorities that he has for us. I'd encourage you and say, say yes to him. And tackle with self, because you're going to have to. Because you're going to want to do this with your time, and the Lord's going to want you to do this with your time, and you're going to have to face me in the mirror. Make a choice. Am I going to do your thing, Lord, or just my thing? And he'll help you do the right thing. My closing thought is going to be on how much is left. It wouldn't be right to talk about time if we skip past where we are living in time. How many of you believe that time in this world is running out? How many? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. 2 Timothy 3.1 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Are we in perilous times? Do you think we are? You've only got to turn on CNN, doesn't matter what day of the week it is, what hour of the day it is, and you're going to see that the world is hotting up, isn't it? Our world is wasting away. And society is hotting up. You see it all around you. I don't turn that stuff on because I know what's on there anyway. I don't need to be reminded of the nitty-gritty specifics of what's there. Are we honestly living like we believe Jesus is coming soon? You can answer that question yourself. You know, there's not time to expand on it, but you all know about Hurricane Katrina. And probably there are some of you that know individuals, families perhaps, that were affected by that tragedy. Was there a warning? Did people know what was coming? Oh, for sure, they didn't know how terrible what was coming was really going to be, but neither do we in many respects. Certainly the world doesn't about what's ahead of us. But did they know? Yes, there was a warning. Some of those precious souls had no way to get out. Some of those precious people chose not to get out. Some people, you've seen it, some people were in their homes entirely surrounded by water and they were still choosing not to get out. And some people's rooftops were covered with that water and they still made a choice to remain. We're being warned today. Are we taking it seriously? Are we taking the sign seriously? Are we just going to ignore it until the water goes over our heads? What choices are we making before it's too late? Hosea, the last passage, Hosea 10 and verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. 
Now is the time more than any other to seriously value the time the Lord has given us. Now is the time to redeem the time we have left and make the most of what remains. Now is the time to put the salvation of yourself and your families as number one priority in your life. And now is the time to, when you have taken that choice, made that choice to share with everybody and anybody that you know how much time there is left or how little. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. We know there is little time left, but yet he can make everything beautiful in the time that remains if we choose it. So do you desire that heaven-made happiness in your home? Is that what you want in this earth? It is for me. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to redeem the time that's left? Are you prepared to leave this place and determine to go home and make changes like you've never done before? I know many of you have been to many camp meetings, but I believe we may not have many more left. Don't go home and just shelve it. Go home and make the changes you've been promising yourself you were going to make over all these years and you haven't done it yet. I want to go home and do the same thing and look at my life. Let us each seek the Lord earnestly, for there still is time left. My family, who are there? I didn't see that. <laughs> and we're going to sing for you. First Chronicles 29, 14, all things come of thee. That was the very first verse we began with. All things come of thee. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.